Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The following podcast contains explicit language that may not be suitable for all listeners. I knew I was going to be a part of exposing who killed these girls. These families need justice for their daughters. Because some fucking cop, power trip, gets away whatever the fuck he wants to get away with. He said, your whole fucking family's done. I'm gonna murder your family. No one's gonna care. Just like those prostitutes. He said that? Yeah. And the prostitutes that he was talking about were the women at Go-Go Beach? Absolutely. I never set out to investigate the Long Island serial killer. It was only through a tragic and unexpected sequence of events that my partner and I became entangled in this case. Our journey started out very unexpectedly, but it still led us to 11 dead bodies. There was no way we could have predicted what we would uncover along the way. I'm Alexis Linkletter, a true crime documentary television producer and an investigative journalist. I'm Billy Jensen. I'm an investigative journalist, true crime producer, and best-selling author. It's been 10 years since those bodies were found. But in order for us to get closer to finding out who the killer is, we need to investigate the reasons why law enforcement hasn't solved this case. And that story starts here. This is a one minute free call from yo 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 an inmate at the queen's detention facility yo life is first like 9 15 i'm hoping that i would just be able to call you i'm just like really pissed off right now i'm just gonna get my whole case i just want to wake up and my case be fucking done with it ready all right thank you i'll talk to you later that's my friend chris Loeb calling me from jail back in 2013 when we first reconnected after 10 years he told me that he had just been arrested for grand larceny and possession of stolen property, and he was facing some serious jail time. 
He began calling me often to talk about his case because he knew I reported on true crime. Hi. Hey, what's up? For reasons that we'll get into later, Chris and I agreed that I would record our calls and start documenting everything that was happening to him so that he could go public with his story when he was ready. What happened with the attorneys? Not, not good, Alexis. Um, yo, that they're, they're fucking telling me out. I know it. Meaning you have I'm to like, go to jail for three to seven years? I, I didn't want to talk about it. I, I, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. Chris and I grew up on Long Island, and I left the day after high school graduation. Chris stayed. Here's a little bit more you should know about Chris. He's a recovering heroin addict. He has good days and bad days. I never really know which Chris I'm going to get. One second, he's totally sincere and charming. I love everything that you're doing for me. I appreciate everything that you're doing for me. I really appreciate I want you to know that, that I acknowledge all the time and effort you put in to me. Um, to this whole case. Other times, he's consumed by an overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety. I can't take care of myself. Like, all because of the fucking stress. And, and I, I feel like I'm living in it. I swear, I feel like I died and, I'm, and, I, and I went to hell. Like, I'm living in fucking hell. I feel like I'm, I'm living in it. Like, this is a horror movie. And I, like, every day I tell myself, Chris, wake up, wake up. This is not real. This is not fucking real. Oh, wake up. Do you remember when I first told you about my friend Chris? Yes, he's had an interesting life. So I've known him for a really, really long time. The memories I have with him are all really fond. He was like a life of the party kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like he was really charming. He has a big personality, really gregarious. And I remember having parties at my house when I was in high school and he was always just laughing. Things changed after high school. Things got crazier on Long Island with the opioid epidemic, and he found himself in a lot of trouble, and that only got worse. Over time, Chris started to confide in me about a dark secret and some really disturbing information he had about Long Island's Suffolk County Police Department. I didn't know then, but Chris was holding on to information that could lead to solving one of the biggest unsolved murder mysteries in American history, the Long Island serial killer. Ten bodies uncovered, and whoever's responsible is still out there. Do you want to start with how this entire thing started? It was a sex party. Police make mistakes. They're only human. But these weren't mistakes. He said, your whole fucking family's done. If there's anybody who knows how to kill someone and get away with it, it's a cop. Somebody's just keeping the cover-up going. From ID and Joke Productions, this is Unraveled, a seven-part podcast. Everything you think you know about the Long Island serial killer investigation is wrong. A gruesome find by Gilgo Beach. Skeletal remains discovered right off of Ocean Parkway. Tonight, police say they've discovered three more bodies. They have found what appears to be another body near Gilgo Beach. Body count along Ocean Parkway continues to climb. What we do know for certain, and what is now very clear, is that the area in and around Gilgo Beach has been used to discard human remains for some period of time. 
when you're a journalist that works on true crime and then people find out you're from Long Island, the first thing they're going to ask you is, can you work on the Long Island serial killer case? Yeah. I'm also from Long Island. Both of us grew up just a few miles from Gilgo Beach, where the remains of 10 victims were discovered between December 2010 and December 2011. I was actually reporting on parts of this case 20 years ago without even knowing it, which we'll get into later. But for now, it's safe to say we both know the details of this case extremely well. All right, back to Chris. To be honest, I was really caught off guard with what he was telling me. How could my high school friend, someone I grew up with, actually be involved in the Long Island serial killer case? You want you want to know the truth? The, 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 listen, the, the, like the, the, the information that I that I, I have to 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 the, the truth is it's it's scary. All right, it's it's real. Why didn't you ever come out about it? This is Chris in 2017, still grappling with whether or not he was ready to reveal what he knew about the Long Island serial killer case. A quick side note, Chris has been in and out of prison for the past decade for a variety of addiction-related nonviolent offenses. I can't, I can't, I can't say it right now because if I say it and it gets out, I, I'm going to wind up dead. People did die because of this. What can I do? Can I do anything? I need to go. I need to do. Yo, I need to go out there. I need to go as public. That's what. That's what he's telling me to do. He's telling God telling me to fucking to to just expose this shit. I I need a platform. I need to get out. I need to get out there. I'll help give you a platform for sure. I don't want to pressure you to talk about anything you don't want to, um, unless you feel comfortable. So just let me know. You know, think about it. But like, I need more information. When I learned what secret Chris was holding on to, I finally understood why he was so scared. And I didn't know when or if he would ever be ready to share it with Billy and I on the record. Chris has never told his story in its entirety before. And judging from what he said he saw and what he heard, it's information that might possibly explain why police haven't solved the case. In the summer of 2020, he was finally ready. I want to do it. I want to do the podcast. I really do. Chris's story led Billy and I down a twisted and unexpected path and exposed us to tales of corruption, stories of sexual deviation, and to people whose lives have been tragically destroyed. The mystery surrounding the still unsolved case of the Long Island serial killer, or LISC, has been widely covered and debated over and over and over again. Whether it's a best-selling book, a Netflix feature film, or one of the dozens of documentaries you've seen on television, every retelling of the story begins on May 1st, 2010. That's when Shannon Gilbert, a 23-year-old sex worker, mysteriously vanishes in Oak Beach, a remote community on the southern coast of Long Island, about one hour outside of New York City. The disappearance of Shannon ultimately leads to the discovery of multiple murder victims, most of them young sex workers. Their bodies have been dumped along Ocean Parkway, a 15 and a half mile road on the south shore of Long Island. Just down the road from where Shannon disappeared, four other women were found in burlap sacks. Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Megan Waterman, Amber Costello, and Melissa Bartholomew. 
All of them went missing over the past four years, and all of them were working as escorts off the website Craigslist. Police officially count 10 victims, with a possibly connected 11th. How many killers are out there is also an ongoing debate. In September of 2020, we left our offices in Los Angeles to begin an extended stay on Long Island. We wanted to continue our investigation on the ground, where the case was still unfolding. And for this podcast, we wanted to interview as many people as we could who are still involved with this case, face-to-face. After we arrived, Chris seemingly disappeared. For two weeks, he didn't answer calls or texts. When he finally did reach out, he told us he had been struggling with a sobriety and that he'd be checking into a halfway house the next day. So we only had 24 hours for him to record his story. We agreed that Billy should meet up with Chris alone. I've heard his story several times, so this would be an opportunity for him to hear it, along with you, the listener, from start to finish for the very first time. He didn't have a ride to the facility, so I offered to pick him up and take him. For seven years, I lived in a house right off of Route 347 in a town called Nesconset. I probably passed by this motel 5,000 times. And if you asked me if there was a motel within a mile of my house, I would have said no. I had no idea it was there. It's hidden up on a hill. A mid-century styled floor-to-ceiling glass-covered lobby connected to a long motor lodge with side-by-side rooms that each open up to an outside parking lot. It's the perfect place for Chris Loeb to hide out in plain sight. All right, man. You ready? All right. A couple miles away from where his entire life unfolded. I admit, part of me was prepared for this not to happen. That whatever paranoia or fear Chris had been feeling over the past few weeks would get the better of him. Well, what was, what was rehab like? Just tell me that. I mean, the one that I went to that I paid for myself out of pocket. That was one of the best ones I've ever been to. Right away, I'm struck by how different he looks. I've watched dozens of news clips of Chris over the years. He's a former athlete, a good-looking kid with boyish features and a trademark buzz cut. But today, Chris is thin, really thin. His features are sunken in. His face is pale. He looks like he's been through hell and back. It's a beautiful October day. We decided to go on a drive and look for a location where Chris feels safe talking. Somewhere familiar. Are you still scared of Suffolk County? Absolutely. Why? Because they want to kill me. Why do you think they want to kill you? Because of the information that I may or may not possess. As the sun starts to set, Chris and I pull into a parking lot outside a diner in Smithtown. And then... He begins to tell me his story. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we go on with Chris's story and how he first got entangled with the Long Island serial killer case, let me give you a little background information. It begins in the early 2010s, when Chris was under the weight of a $100 a day heroin habit. To support his addiction, he claims he was working for some of the biggest drug dealers in Suffolk County. Around this same time, Chris says he heard about a dirty cop that was shaking down dealers, seizing their drugs and allegedly taking them into his possession. All right, so walk me through it. All right, listen. I found out through the grapevine there was a high-up cop that lived in the neighborhood. I didn't know who the cop was, okay? And I remember kids talking about how this cop lives in the neighborhood. In the overnight hours of December 13th, 2012, Chris left the house he shared with his mother in Smithtown and began cruising the streets. Quick side note here. Chris wasn't alone that night. A friend of his named Gabriel Miguelis was an accomplice to what you're about to hear. And we reached out to Gabriel for comment, but he didn't return our calls. At around half past midnight, he starts searching for the home of the dirty cop. He stops along the way, checking the doors of other cars. If they're unlocked, he helps himself to whatever is inside. A GPS device here, a wallet there, some spare change in a cup holder. He was well aware that he was in violation of the probation he was serving for grand larceny and possession of stolen property. Yet that wasn't enough to restrain him from another dance with trouble. I'm driving around the neighborhood. I'm looking for the house. I'm looking for drugs, you know? I went to 13 houses, about 13 houses. The last house, it was like 3.30 in the morning. And I knew it was his house. Like, he had the living room light on, and there was like just this glow on his house that just told me that this was his house, so. I can't tell if Chris is hiding something from me. Like, did he actually know the address of the dirty cop? Or is he just exaggerating how confident he was that he instinctively pinpointed the right house. I get out of the truck, 
I walk into his driveway, I open up the car door, the car door is open. He had an evidence bag with drugs in it. I took the evidence bag, I put it inside the duffel bag. And where'd you find the duffel bag? It was in the back seat, in the second row. So did you look at the duffel bag first? Like no, inside? No. You didn't look inside the duffel bag, you no, just I, grabbed it? I, just, I put stuff inside of it from his truck, the drugs, uh, the evidence bag, I put inside of it. Chris took the black bag home with him and carried it down to his basement. He didn't know it at the time, but he was in possession of evidence that would change his life and change the Long Island serial killer investigation forever. What he describes he saw inside the bag is not for the faint of heart. I find a Ziploc bag with a pink butt plug in it. There was lubricants in another Ziploc bag. There was five, six DVDs, okay? All right? One of the DVDs was blank. It had a white covering around it. The other DVDs was young Asian girls, as well as gay porn, female with a dildo fucking a guy in the ass. It, it was just SM, like, it was just nasty shit. It was just over the top pornography. So I asked Chris about the blank DVD with the white cover on it. Did he figure out what it was? And this is where the story takes a very dark turn. What was on the DVD? I put it on for about two minutes. All right? I saw a guy with a mask on torturing a girl, a prostitute. All right? She was tied behind her back. Her makeup was running down her face. She was scared to death. It looked like they were going to kill her. Okay? That's what it looked like to me. It was a snuff film. A snuff film, if you're not aware, is a movie in which a person is actually murdered on camera. And there is much debate over whether these films actually exist. Also inside the bag was a gun belt with two Glock 9mm magazines, handcuffs, and a whistle. In the moment, Chris had trouble processing what he'd just seen. But he knew one thing. The owner of the DVD would never want anyone else to see it. He felt he now possessed something that was either going to be very powerful for him or very dangerous. After you watch that DVD, what happens then? I, I looked out my uh, bedroom window and I saw the Ford Explorer and another unmarked car, another regular car. I ran out the back door. I ran about it. A half a mile away from my residence. I hid in the woods. I slid down the hill. That morning, Chris's parole officer showed up at his mother's house. Not long after, several Suffolk County police officers descended. It's unclear if one led to the other or if the police were tipped off in some other way. But it's important to note the legality of the search seems questionable. It appears the officers may have entered the house under the parole officer's cover. They came to me, they put me in handcuffs, they picked me up. They were pulling my arms behind my back all the way up to the back and almost breaking my arms. They dragged me back to my residence, uh, entered me back right into the back of my backyard, into my house. It was another lieutenant that kept coming in and out of my bedroom asking me where the duffel bag was. Where's the fucking duffel bag? Where's the fucking duffel bag? I said, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Clearly, the cops were on a mission to find something. 
and it didn't take them long to find it. He said to me, you stupid fuck, you left the fucking thing on your bedroom when you to bed. I hid the DVDs in a shop vac in the basement. It accidentally kicked over the uh, shop vac and the DVDs fell out. Of all the places Chris could have picked to hide the porn, he chose the inside of a shop vac. The cops accidentally knocked it over and out came the DVDs. Burke was already at the scene. I already seen him in my bedroom. Burke was in your bedroom? Burke is James Burke, the chief of the Suffolk County Police Department. The chief of the 11th largest police department in the nation just showed up on site for a routine burglary arrest. This is incredibly odd, not to mention it's against the county's protocol. And this is your mother's house, right? Yes. Is your mother in the house? She's on the other side of the house. They were not letting her come, in, come into the other side of the house. So she just knows that there's a bunch of cops in her son's bedroom. So what happens then? I'm sitting down on my couch in my den. Sergeant Kelly is sitting on my fireplace next to me. I had my handcuffs behind my back. I'm sitting down like this. And out of nowhere, I get hit in the top of my head. I start screaming for my mother, for her to come see and witness them assaulting me. She tries to come in, they block her. They don't let her come in. They said, he says, I didn't hit him, I didn't hit him. And then at that moment when they found the duffel bag, they dragged me, they took me outside of my house. So you have the, the detectives are there, they put you in the squad car, what happens then? Sergeant Kelly brings me to the fourth precinct. He brings me into a room where there's audio and video. By the time CIU gets there, and they said, no, they said, no, 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 get him out of the room. The CIU is the criminal intelligence unit. And for reasons known only to them, Chris was moved to another interrogation room without video cameras. If this never happened, Chris's story may have ended very differently. They brought me to another room and they chained me to the floor like this. At this point, Chris squats down on the pavement of the parking lot to demonstrate for me what happened inside that interrogation room. He explains how he was chained to an eye bolt on the floor, with his wrists bound together and his arms pulled tight between his bended knees. For 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours. If he was shackled to the floor for 10 hours, that's an unthinkable amount of time that sounds like torture. Chris says one detective comes into the room to ask him about what was inside the duffel bag. What kind of DVDs were in there? I'm like, listen, you're a sick fuck too. Probably just like, I'm like, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't trust any of you. I'm not talking to any of you. What were some of the things they were saying to you? Lito said he was going to arrest my mother and he's going to rape her, right? He's going to charge her with a gun charge, with the gun. With a gun that didn't exist. Okay? If I didn't cop to the grand larceny and if I didn't cop to a gun charge. What happens then? Uh, Burke came in, told him all to leave the room. He unbuttoned his shirt. So what exactly did he do? Fucking punched me in the face. What did he say? You want to fucking steal from me? It's during this exchange that Chris now actually realizes what he did the night before. He robbed the chief of police. And did you think it was over because of the duffel bag? 
Absolutely. He started hitting me. We started exchanging words. I spit on him. He spit on me. I said, I saw it. He said, you saw what? I said, I saw your fucking DVDs, bro. He's like, no one's ever going to believe you. He's like, I'm a decorated officer. You're a fucking junkie. No one ever, no one, no one will ever believe you. Did you find it odd that now the chief of police was beating you up? It wasn't odd to me because I saw what was on the, I saw what was on the DVD. He was embarrassed. Not only was he embarrassed, but he was scared because he knew I knew the truth. He knew I got him. I saw it. The truth is the secret that Chris held on to for years, that the chief of police possessed something that looked like it could possibly link him to the Long Island serial killer. He told me he was going to give me a hot shot of heroin. He told me he was a decorated officer and no one would believe me. A hot shot, if you're not familiar with the term, is slang for a deliberate fatal overdose of heroin. He said, your whole fucking family's done. I'm going to murder your family. No one's going to care. Just like those prostitutes, he said. He said that? Yeah. And the prostitutes that he was talking about were the women at Go-Go Beach? Absolutely. Chris is convinced that the women Burke was referring to are the four sex workers whose remains had been discovered along Gilgo Beach two years prior. Megan Waterman, Melissa Bartholomew, Amberlyn Costello, and Maureen Brainerd Barnes. What happens then? He gets enraged, he keeps hitting me. I spit on him, he smacks me, he's screaming. The other detective came in, forced, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. Other detective came in, grabbed him, but what am I side of the room? I said, shit, I'm fucked, I'm done, I'm dead. Were you afraid for your life? Yeah, I was scared, but I, I, I was, la- I, I laughed at him. You're sitting here, you have me chained to a floor, you're choking me out, spitting on me, and you call me saying you're gonna wrestle my mother, that's really got me fucking mad. You fucking slap me in the side of the head until I'm numb. You fucking, you call me a junkie piece of shit, but you're not, you don't have half the balls I have, and you're done, and you're done, and I know God is with me, and it didn't happen for, none of this happened for no reason. Chris was booked and held on half a million dollars bail, an unheard of amount for a vehicular break-in. On December 28th of 2012, he was indicted on nearly 30 counts that included criminal possession of stolen property, seventh degree possession of a controlled substance, and third degree criminal possession of a weapon. Not a gun, but brass knuckles. At what point did you think this wasn't right and you wanted to do something about it? This was my golden opportunity. I had nothing to lose. My life was over with. Fuck him. Let me fight this all the way through. For all the innocent people put behind prison. Chris is pretty amped up by now. Visibly outraged by his conviction that James Burke has blood on his hands. I was going to be a part of exposing this case. About how these girls need this justice. These girls need, these, these families need, need justice for their daughters because some fucking cop 
power trips and has no nothing better to do, that he gets away with whatever the fuck he wants to get away with. I, pro I swear these girls, they haunt me, whether it's my subconscious or whatever, they come to me in my dreams. It's like God chose me to bring the light. He chose me and my job's not done yet. And that's why I'm here with you, so. What Chris is alleging here is that the chief of the Suffolk County Police Department has much more sinister ties to the Long Island serial killer case. So what did you think of Chris when you met him? I knew the facts of the story for the most part, just from having you tell me them, but I didn't think I was gonna be as affected emotionally by him. He's really been through hell. It's just like, you can tell how much this has affected him. Right. He's still scared. Who couldn't be? I mean, talk about the PTSD of, of being dragged out of your house and, and chained to the floor and having a bunch of cops beat on you. I mean, it's- Traumatic, for sure. That would traumatize anyone. Yeah. So I obviously had been kind of behind Chris from day one when we reconnected, and I, I believe so much of his story. Um, did you find him credible? I did find him credible. Um, I mean, there might have been some parts that he might have forgotten. I don't know how much he might be filling in the blanks with a foggy memory, but on the whole, he was credible. You know, the biggest accusation that he has is, is being beaten up by the chief of police, but there's also what he says he found in the bag. And it's pretty explosive stuff. It's one thing to have a bunch of sex toys and a bunch of porn, but Chris is saying that he saw something that was, that was pretty evil in, on one of those DVDs. Do you believe him? Do you believe that that might have been a type of snuff film? This whole idea that he, he saw a snuff film. And that's a huge, huge accusation because we have the chief of police who's overseeing the murder investigation of sex workers. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of, it's so out there, but so much of what Chris has said is true. It's so out there, but so much of this story is out there. So yeah. much of this story is beyond the pale. Both the DA of Queens and the FBI opened up investigations into whether or not criminal charges should be filed against Burke. It was too sensational of a story for the media to ignore. The highest ranking law enforcement officer in the county beating up a 26-year-old addict because he stole his duffel bag, which contains sex toys and pornography. Burke has come under fire in the last few years. In 2013, a federal probe was launched into allegations that Burke beat this man, Christopher Loeb. Loeb, who was on probation at the time, claimed the chief roughed him up at his Smithtown home and at the 4th Precinct hours after Loeb stole a duffel bag from the chief's department-issued vehicle back in December of 2012. That investigation closed in 2014 with no charges filed against Burke. The court of public opinion quickly reached its verdict. They call me a liar. Who's that? The media, everything. What'd they call you a liar about? That I was making this whole thing up. About Burke? Yeah. In October of 2013, a pre-trial hearing was convened to evaluate what evidence would be permissible at Chris's upcoming trial. 
One of the Suffolk County detectives that Chris had named as someone who'd witnessed his assault was subpoenaed. He testified under oath that Chris was lying. He said this incident never happened. The police sergeant, who was also on duty at the time of the alleged assault, also testified, and he said he didn't observe any signs to suggest that Chris had been assaulted. A couple of months later, the DA announced that it was closing its case against Burke, and the FBI's civil rights investigation had been dropped. Neither the DA nor the FBI could find any evidence that the assault had ever occurred. First and foremost, what I want to do is recognize the men and women of the Suffolk County Police Department. It is truly the biggest honor of my life to serve as their chief and for their assistance and their cooperation in us moving forward in these very, very challenging times. On January 24th of 2014, Chris pleaded guilty to third-degree criminal possession of a weapon. At his sentencing, Chris made an emotional plea to the judge to believe what no one else in the system would believe, that his constitutional rights had been violated by Police Chief James Burke and his detectives. The judge showed no interest in what Chris had to say and proceeded to hand down a sentence of three years in prison. Chris's faith in the legal system was at an all-time low. I mean, at the time, I, my life didn't really mean much. I know I had nothing to lose, so I, I decided to go ahead and, you know, take him down and just go all the way. Here's Amy Marion, who specialized in civil rights. Chris was in jail at the time, and um, he admitted to the theft of the bag. Um, he admitted to, you know, and his co-defendant, uh, and his co-defendant also acknowledged that they knew what was in the bag, and they happened to even put the one of the videos on, so they actually saw the porn that was there. So there were a lot of just, like, salient details that uh, don't necessarily come with fabrication. It really is a story of who's going to believe Chris Globe. Who's going to believe a heroin addict? In early 2015, Amy Marion filed a civil lawsuit against Chief Burke on the grounds that he had denied Chris his civil rights. Rob Trotta was a detective on the force at the time, assigned to the FBI Violent Crimes Task Force. He vividly remembers the first time Chris's allegation had put the Suffolk County Police under scrutiny, right after the alleged assault. I got a phone call at home on a Sunday night. An FBI agent called me and tells me the story about how Christopher Loeb got arrested. They brought him to the precinct. They put him in a room and they beat him up. And could I find out about it? So I made a phone call to a friend of mine who works over there. He didn't want to talk about it on the phone. It was clear, obvious to me that this guy would normally talk about everything to me. Wouldn't talk. So they put two young agents on it who weren't that astute to how the blue wall of silence works, and it went nowhere. The blue wall of silence is another way of saying that what happens inside the police department stays inside the police department. And those two young agents were too inexperienced to know how to break through that blue wall. But in 2015, that wall crumbled. Somehow, by the grace of God, one of these one of the people involved must have found God and went to the U.S. Attorney's Office and told him the truth. And then it all fell apart. It turns out the FBI never actually closed its civil rights probe against Burke. They just couldn't find a witness to corroborate Chris's story. Now they had one. 
And with that one, they were able to get many more to talk. And the stories they told were jaw-dropping. Here's Amy Marion again. One of the officers recalled that James Burke grabs Chris, um, grabs him by the ear, shaking his head violently to hurt him, screaming words like, "Uh, you want to steal from me? Um, And then just, you know, vulgar language. There were three veteran members of the police department who were inside a very tiny room with Chris um, and with James Burke. And they have all told the government that James Burke assaulted Chris while in the room. There were other police witnesses who gave accounts of the violent episode, um, also that heard uh, James Burke tell Chris that he was going to give him an injection of heroin mixed with poison to kill him. In the fall of 2015, feeling the heat closing in on him, James Burke abruptly resigned hoping the investigation would simply disappear. But two months later, on December 8, 2015, Burke was indicted for denying Chris's civil rights and for conspiracy to commit obstruction of justice. In 2016, Burke accepted a plea deal. Not only did he plead guilty to assaulting Chris, but he also pled guilty to trying to cover up the assault, which meant the arrest of other police witnesses who were there, who either covered it up, who were part of it. He was the king. And he'd still be the king today if it wasn't for Christopher Loeb. There's different types of corruption. And this kid breaking into a car basically saved the police department. It's bizarre. Right before James Burke's sentencing, Chris called me from jail. This is a one Minute, free call from an inmate at the Queen's Detention Facility. Yep, I'm listening. He wanted to read me the victim impact statement he'd prepared and was about to read in court, directly to James Burke's face. I thought you would get away with threatening and brutally assaulting you. Chris read me his victim impact statement from over the phone in jail. As you can hear, the quality isn't great. So here's what he said. I thought you would get away with threatening and brutally assaulting me. You told me that no one would ever believe me. You told me that my word was no good against that of a decorated police chief. You laughed at me when I asked for a lawyer. You said to me, this isn't law and order, asshole. Well, fortunately today, for the first time in my life, my belief in the justice system has served us. Because today, Defendant Burke, there is law and this is order. I know I'm not perfect. I have struggled throughout my life and made errors, and for that, I am truly sorry. But the punishment of someone accused of petty theft should never entail a vicious beating by the chief of police. Yeah, I had some chills there for a minute. I'm so, oh, I'm so happy for you. It's going to feel so good. Here's Amy Marion talking to news reporters after Chris's court appearance pretty incredible moment to see Chief Burke in his correction garb and he did face Chris and then for Chris to be able to face him. For his crimes, Chris was sentenced to three years in prison. He was released early and set free on January 31st of 2017 as a result of perjured testimony given by police officers at Burke's direction. James Burke was sentenced to 46 months in prison. And in late 2019, he was released. 
In February 2018, Chris settled his civil lawsuit and was awarded a million and a half dollars. When I asked Chris about the settlement, he is very adamant that the lawsuit was never about the money. He did it to fight injustice. It's like the hand of God is on me, man. Like, who, like it's like the David versus Goliath, you know? David didn't think he could do it, you know? And God was with him. And he picked the underdog to beat Goliath. And how many people tried to, you know, expose him, tried to get him, you know, for all the dirt he did. Chris exposed Burke as a bad cop and as a liar. I'm still not sure we know the whole truth about what was in Burke's duffel bag. Only two people know the answer to that question. Chris Loeb and James Burke. Burke took the duffel bag, along with most of the other items Chris stole, on the day of the raid. So while Alexis and I may have to write off the contents of that bag as an eternal mystery, there is one thing we know for sure. It was very important to Chief Burke. Important enough that he broke multiple laws to hide it. And on top of that, we discovered something else that didn't look right. Just weeks after entering office, Burke shut the FBI out of the Long Island serial killer investigation. And he also stopped the physical search for more victims. We couldn't help but wonder, what else might James Burke be trying to hide? Here are some of the highlights of what you'll hear this season on Unraveled. I think the myth of the Long Island serial killer is as big as it is because the chief of police of the 11th largest police department in the country is a suspect. Do you want to start with how this entire thing started? It was a sex party. If you're not knowledgeable about Suffolk County, you think it's the Hamptons. It's not. It's the Amityville Horror. One night, some woman came screaming out of there and was running with no shoes on. Just think about what you have to do to sever a body into pieces. That easily could have been me. There are girls that are not lucky. I was really lucky. The FBI was not involved in the Gilgo Beach investigation. They had been removed by then Chief Burke. He's on the cover of Newsday for having sex with prostitutes in his police car, and they keep him as the chief. On what planet is that okay? He definitely had an angel on his shoulder. The thing is, once you make a deal with the devil, you can't unmake it. Somebody's just keeping the cover-up going. If you have any information or anything you want to share about the Long Island serial killer case, we'd like to hear from you. Email us at unraveledtips at gmail.com. Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Finciun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Koontz, along with myself, Alexis Linkletter, and Billy Jensen. Executive producer for ID, Thomas Cutler. Additional producing and writing by Margaret Aronson. Our editor is Jared Monaco. You can also submit anonymous tips to the Suffolk County Police Department by either calling Crime Stoppers at 1-800-220-TIPS or by visiting their website, gilgonews.com. The music and score that you've heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina. 
Dave Pellman, and the Alibi and Nimble Libraries. I want to extend a special thanks to my friend Chris, who trusted me to tell the story he's been dealing with for the last seven years. Make sure to check for episode two next week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot when you subscribe, rate and review the podcasts that you enjoy listening to. Thank you for listening and for your support. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.